0: Hi, everybody. This is Alex Romanovich with Global Edge Talk, and today we have a wonderful guest, Kate Gaffin, calling from Bali. Hello, Kate.
1: Hi, Alex. Nice to be here.
0: Wonderful. We're going to talk about you, uh, and so I'm not going to steal a lot of thunder, only to give you a little bit of an introduction. Today is 18th of June, 2020. I'm in New York City. You're in Bali, halfway around the world, which is incredible. We're going to talk about entrepreneurship, your escape to the uh, the other part of the world from Manhattan, from New York, from United States. Your lifestyle, the lifestyle of your friends, what you're doing out there. And our entrepreneurs and followers are going to really enjoy this. So, welcome. Thank you. Well, let's talk a little bit about um, your past. You know how it all started. Um, from what I understand, you had a very interesting career. You're in New York. Born and raised, NYU grad, um, worked with wonderful companies like Princeton Review and C Technologies and HP and a few others. And one day, you know, you, you were entrepreneurial inside of large corporations. You were a corporate person as well. And one day you decided, you know what, I've had enough of it. I decided to open something of my own. Your latest venture is human to human selling which is what you're doing right now all over the world, literally, and putting together some really incredible sales training uh, modules and workshops for people who travel or people who don't travel who can reach out to you virtually. Tell us what happened.
1: Well, I'm telling you up front that I was a diehard New York City person. I never thought that I would live anywhere else. My family never retired to Florida. We were all diehard New Yorkers. I didn't think You know, anybody would want to live anywhere else but New York. I thought it had it all. Um, But it started feeling really crowded and crazy expensive. And, you know, I had a very um, prestigious networking group, business networking group. I ran it for seven years and I started teaching. I started presenting at the meetings. And then I started doing it online. And within about eight or nine months, I realized, wow, this is a steady source of income here. And I don't need to be sitting in this teensy-weensy overpriced New York City apartment anymore. And literally 30 days later, I was in Bali and I come here a lot, but I also spent a lot of time in Europe and New Zealand and Australia. So I'm traveling where my heart leads me and where there's halfway decent Wi-Fi. And that's really what the decision was. Um, If you can do something like that today, why not? We have so many resources at our fingertips with the internet and everything is so connected. It's not really as difficult as it was in the old days, calling up travel agents and getting faxes and you know, waiting five days to book anything. You can book a trip like this in seven minutes. And that's really how it started. I didn't know how long I would be gone, but I just started going to one country, to the next, to the next, to the next. And lo and behold, I'm just starting my fourth year in this lifestyle.
0: I just want to tell our audience that what be, what's behind you is not a virtual Zoom background. It is real. You're in Bali. Look at this. This is amazing. Coconut tree.
1: Um,
0: so tell me, how does this work? I mean, you, you uh, and this is prior to COVID. We'll talk more about COVID and what yes. that has done to the overall, you know, traveling and, and um, you know, workshopping and so forth. But, you know, prior to COVID, you would put together a sales training, a curriculum, I guess, and a, a module. And then you would hold that training retreat, I guess somewhere in an exotic place like this? And and how does this work? Tell us more about this.
1: Yeah, my trainings are all virtual. So I'm not doing any in-person trainings. I mean, there have been some countries where just through networking, I've met people who headed up tech groups and other entrepreneurial groups. And they've invited me to present on certain topics. But that's um, not the norm. So I do webinars and I teach on a topic and then I offer a course at the end. And it's a typical funnel. It's a, a lower price course. And then you start romancing people along and a certain people, some people will move into more expensive types of programs. So they're all virtual type programs done over Zoom and um, hosted on an online course. I just have an umbrella because it's raining a little just for everybody wondering what that thing over my head is. Um, so yeah, it's about 95% virtual. And, you know, it's, again, the resources are there. The tech has gotten much easier. I, I market to seven English-speaking countries, and my focus is on small businesses, and I, that's about 90%. The other um, portion is, is people that work in sales for bigger companies. So now I have quite a lot of subscribers, and I have a big community, and I can put out courses, you know, when I get inspired to do so. That's, um, that's how I'm earning my income now. It's very cool and there's quite a lot of people doing it around the world with courses
0: so much to discuss with you so let's enter covid now what has ha- i mean you've you've been doing this virtually so i guess not much has has changed has it uh, in terms of covid and and uh, how it sort of impacted your interaction with your audience and your community or, or did yeah, it change well- it changed
1: a little bit because my um, customers are small business owners. A lot of them are affected, and the people that are, that are there are a lot of salespeople that have gotten laid off as well. Even though that's what a company needs, so there's been um, in the in the first month or two, there's been a lot of discussions about uncertainty and fear, and how long will this go on? And and I um, didn't do any selling in, in in that time period, but I'm just about to launch a new course because we have to get back into the groove mentally, you know, emotionally, spiritually, you just can't sit around and do nothing. So there are a lot of people making money now, you know, you have to get out of that mindset that nobody's buying, you know, there's no market out there. You being um, entrepreneurial as well, probably know how many businesses were started during the great depression that are still around today. So my role now is really, you know, getting people just into action when they've been sitting around, you know, paralyzed by fear, a lot of them, you know, for the last two or three months. So that's what this new course is going to be about, you know, staying um, visible and, and, you know, exposure and, and, and how you are energetically to go out there and, and put yourself out there in, if you've got this mindset of like, oh my God, nobody's buying. People are buying We all need products and services and the world is moving forward.
0: I totally agree. I, I, I just, we just did a workshop with a partner of mine and um, a virtual workshop and it was about sales and it's about doing proposals and so forth. People are buying and there's some amazing, tremendous uh, tools out there, digital online tools that tell you more about what their buying behavior is, you know, and, and how they're buying and, and why they're not buying or why they're buying more of less of and so forth. But uh, I totally agree with you that that uh, it's very subjective. And you really have to, uh, first of all, you have to know your existing customer very well, uh, number one. If you don't know your existing customer very well, now is the time to get to know them even better. They're not really traveling much at the moment, so they have a lot more time, right? And uh, if, you, if it's new customers, there have been, especially for people who have e-commerce businesses, this is some recent data that I've seen that there are so many new customers that are coming on board for e-commerce and buying online, brand new customers that that have never shopped before online, almost 10 to 11% of old purchases are brand new clients. So it's a wonderful time to maybe simplify your message, you know, maybe um, rethink your product line, your service line, what have you. Um, Tell us, Who are your customers? Who are who are salespeople or uh travelers or virtual salespeople who are actually signing up for your courses? What are these people like and why are they, you know, why are they interested in your training?
1: It's a good question. So my customers are more in the in the realm of face-to-face selling. That's the big part of their business. I mean everybody has to have an online presence. So I've always focused on selling as a conversation. And what people have said to me ever since, you know, I was in my late teens when I started selling seriously is that we never thought that you were selling us. And because of that, I've managed to get into extraordinary doors. So people always want to know, how did you sell to MTV? How did you sell to the National Army Guard? I just had conversations and I thought everybody sold like that. So my focus is on just being more natural, you know, doing a lot of listening. We all hear that. But also watching out for the emotional cues and the psychological cues. And and um, silence is very powerful when it comes to selling. So that's really what the core, when when companies hire me to train for their sales staffs, which still happens, and we do virtual trainings. Um It's always about moving people out of transactional type of selling and just human to human selling. Just let's have a conversation first. And, you know, let's, we're going to buy from the people that we have a good feeling about, that make us feel good. Even if the other person might be cheaper, you know, might have bigger promises or what have you. We want to have a good buying experience. So once you understand that, that's a big part of what I teach. Sorry, the umbrella has to go up again. Um, Conversational selling. And I pick specific topics and sometimes I'll do a whole, whole like, you know, um, A to Z, how to get the customer, how to move them along, you know, how to move them into saying, yeah, I want to work with you. But it's always weird to me how many people hate the topic of selling. I love it. It's just a conversation. That's all it is. So it's just removing barriers and, and changing the, the way people view it. That's really what my main topics are about.
0: That's amazing. That's great. Let's talk about your lifestyle a little bit. Yeah. Um, you're traveling. You're, I, I follow you on Facebook. I follow you on Instagram, on social media. You're in New Zealand. You're in Australia. You're in Bali. You're in Croatia. You're okay. all over the place. Some of the most amazing, incredible places. You meet these wonderful people. You um, uh, stay in some of the most amazing locations. And yet you deliver a very powerful message, very powerful training how does it all come together with all the travel and and time zones? And, and you know, I mean, it, how, how do you sort of, what do you get out of this lifestyle? Tell us. Yeah,
1: you know, to tell you the truth, in the first six or seven months, it was crazy. I mean, I was up in the middle of the night, I was catering to the Northern Hemisphere, I was in the Southern Hemisphere, complete opposite zone, time zones. You know, um, the Wi-Fi wasn't that great, webinars would go down. I mean, it was a chaotic in the first six or seven months. Um, but I always have this thing that things are going to get better if I just stick with it. So, you know, after about six or seven months, I started getting better with the tech. I started figuring out how to, you know, have backups on the Wi-Fi, and, um, you know, I still have to stay up late. I mean, I do webinars sometimes at one in the morning. That's one of the things that you do if you want to be here and work with, you know, American, Canadian, UK customers, just the way it is. So I'm out of sync with most other people when I'm in mode of selling and teaching, but that's the trade-off. So, you know, it's, you just sort of get used to it. Um, I prefer to do live webinars over automated webinars because I think that I sell more. So I might transition at some point. So yeah, it's it's chaotic until you start getting into a routine with it. Um, And now, you know, I travel differently now. I used to just go where my heart said, okay, you have to go here. Now I tend to go to countries where I have a good friend there. And this way, you know, the experience is so much richer when you get there. You see places that are just off the grid and it's it's nice to have somebody there, you know, um, to kind of show you around. So, but all of the countries that I've been to, the goal has never been, you know, let's see 27 countries in eight months. The goal has been, let's hang out for two or three months. Let's have a very local experience. Let's make local friends. Let's not do the tourist thing the whole time. So, um, and with the, you know, the internet, you can literally get on it and find Facebook groups for women travelers 30 to 40 or vegan travelers or travelers with families. I mean, whatever you can think of, you will find resources and you can always ask about places to stay and areas and food and SIM cards and all that kind of thing. So it's incredibly easy. I know people think it's this whole huge thing, but the, the uh, mechanics of it is, is quite easy.
0: Incredible. Um, from what I understand, you told me a couple of times that you're not the only one, uh, that is doing all this traveling. And there are a number of professionals or ex-professionals who are, you know, basically adapted this lifestyle. And then not only they're traveling by themselves, they're, they're dragging their loved ones or their children, their families, uh, they're providing for education. They're providing for, uh, you know, long, long long-term stays, uh, is, there, is this some kind of a movement that that I'm not aware of, that of people actually migrating from place to place or living abroad and, and becoming sort of instant expats? You know, tell us more.
1: Yeah, so there are a lot of families out here doing what I'm doing, um, particularly in Bali. There are schools that cater to um, international kids, and I think it's... It's really on parents deciding that they want their children growing up with a different experience and maybe being a little disillusioned with the way the current school system is and it not really preparing you for the real world, which is communication and and meeting, you know, diversity and um, learning how to plan things and not sitting in a classroom for, you know, seven hours a day. So I think a lot of parents just want to give their kids a different experience. Um, for the single people like me, I mean, you see all ages, from twenty all the way up to seventies and above, and there are even hostels now where you see um, elderly people that are staying in the hostels. So, and Airbnb has just opened up a whole universe to travel and to make sure that the place that you're going to is is if it's well reviewed, you can travel anywhere and feel like you're home. Um, you know, it's the diversity of people is really anything that you can think of. Um, you know, certain countries tend to attract certain clusters of, of of nationalities at certain times of the year. But it's been fascinating for me to see um, how many different reasons people are doing it. But mostly it's because it's gotten easier, it's gotten less expensive, and people are just more adventurous and want to have a different experience in life. So yeah, it's been wonderful.
0: What an interesting lifestyle. Um, let's talk about a very sensitive topic right now. You've, you've traveled all over the world. I've been to many, many countries myself. And of course, it's very tragic what's, what's going on right now in the United States on many different levels. Um, I belong to a very interesting community of uh, chief marketing officers. We discussed diversity today. We discussed racism. We discussed what's really going on in the United States and, and how companies and individuals are, are embracing this or um, how are they dealing with this, what is the perception of us, of the United States, of Americans in other countries? What, uh, they're, they're looking at us and feeling what? Tell us more.
1: Yeah, it's a good question. When I left is when our president had just gotten elected. And because he had gone through a series of, um, you know, kind of insulting world leaders, I thought, oh my God, I'm going to get out there and everyone's going to hate me. But the truth is, is that they don't hate Americans. They're a little, um, you know, kind of baffled by the leader of the country. And I don't want to turn this into a political discussion. But what I have found over the last couple of years is that um, people really have viewed, it's starting to change, but they have viewed America as the dream country. You can achieve anything. You can make money. You, you, you know, everybody has a shot. And In my mind, what happened recently with the George Floyd murder and that um, video was seen, I think I mentioned this to you, the woman that takes care of my property, doesn't have internet, doesn't have a computer, but her next door neighbor showed her that clip on his cell phone. And that's when I realized, like, I think this video is being seen by like every single person on the planet. That's what it feels like. And that, in my mind, has really um, created a shift of, wow, what the hell's going on there? You know? So... I don't think that it's really perceived as the dream country so much anymore. I think it's kind of perceived a little bit scary. Um, you know, for years, as you know, we have not been number one in education and in the environment and, you know, all the things that America was known for. But when you see something like a police officer doing such a, you know, committing such a terrible, terrible crime right in front of your eyes, when you see that, it's much different than being told it. And I think. I think people are starting to, more people are starting to think, mm, you know, maybe, maybe the ideal of what we've seen in the movies and what we've heard about and everybody has a chance is just not happening anymore. So to me, it's, it's taken a, a big shift, you know, especially in the last, you know, I also think that a lot of people, um, when we've talked about America, have not wanted to insult me in the last couple of years. You know, in Thailand, somebody said to me, well, we think your president is not polite. And I thought, that doesn't sound too bad until I found out to a Thai person, that's a big insult. But I think people kind of tippy-toe around you in, in, in talking about their true feelings. But I think this past video has changed the game quite a bit. That's, that's my sense of it. It's, it was horrific, you know. So we might have felt it on the inside, but um, I think that to, to the, uh, the perception of people around the world is really starting to shift. So. Not
0: that yeah, not that looting and, and crime is justified or uh, you know anybody should support that. But certainly, I've I've received very similar feedback from my friends all over the world asking me what is going on, you know, why there's so much chaos and so forth. Um, they were also asking me about COVID. You know, how come America? We thought that America is a leader in the uh, in the world in terms of medicine, in terms of healthcare, in terms of um, uh, education in terms of understanding how important it is to care for the individuals and especially elderly um, and uh, this has been such a disappointment I mean now we're seeing it's June 18 2020 we're seeing big spikes in, in uh, states like Florida and Arizona and uh, Kentucky and and a few others uh, where people are basically saying look I've had enough of this I don't want to wear a mask I want my freedoms I want my liberties, you know. I want my constitutional rights, um, and and then you you, as you know, you look at some of the Asian countries. You look at Japan. You look at um, uh, Singapore. You look at uh, South Korea, where, you know, wearing a mask is is not only a big deal. Wearing a mask is a necessity when you enter a subway car, when you enter a restaurant, and so forth. And it's not necessarily because they are afraid of you. Is They do not want to give you what they have necessarily. Uh, So uh, talk about that.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting because the first time I was in Asia um, was Japan about 20 years ago, and I noticed some people were wearing face masks. So I just assumed that it was because there's pollution in the city. And then I found out it's because when they have a cold as a courtesy to other people to not spread the germs, they wear a mask. And when I think back on that from 20 years ago, um, and, I, and I look at America, and, and we have it here in Bali, too, with the, with the Westerners who are like anti-maskers, um, you know, it's, it's, it's very discouraging. It, it's, I'm an American, you know, and I, and I hate to criticize my own country, but there is a difference in this part of the world about um, thinking about the community more. And in America, which has always promoted individualism and independence and any single person can go out there and make it, I think to some degree that's taken um, a lot of people away from caring about their neighbors. Like in Bali, most of the Balinese are wearing masks. Most of the Westerners are not, even though they're a guest in somebody else's country. So that's... um, it's very sad to me, you know. I mean, of course, we have a leader who's promoting not wearing. People will follow the leader. Our leader in the, in, in the United States is not promoting masks and caring about others and so forth. That's a whole different topic. But there's a big difference um, in, in the Asian community about, you know, caring for family and neighbors. And, and it's not even questioned whether they should, sorry, I have to put the umbrella up, um, whether they should wear a mask or not. You know, it's just more society oriented. So that to me is, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it, it's not a good thing about America. There are a lot of great things about America, but that kind of me, 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 I don't think it's sustainable. You know, this is, this is a world where, you know, especially with the environment, we all have to watch out for each other and it's just not sustainable. So that makes me very sad. It's depressing. It's depressing to see here in Bali with the Westerners, honestly, as well feel like
0: it's disrespectful. Yeah, I, I, I share the same feelings. And again, I love America dearly. Um, it's our wonderful country. We love it. We uh, respect it. We want it to do extremely well. But at the same time, I agree with you. We need to be more humble. We need to be more open. We need to be more understanding of other cultures. And um, I think it's really important for us to... Um, you know, to give more than to take, to, to really uh, understand, um, you know, other cultures and other cultural differences, where uh, we can probably learn something from, you know, from those differences. Um, you know, we always, you know, hit ourselves in the chest saying, "Hey, we're the leader of the world," and and we certainly are the leader of the world in COVID cases, that's for sure, at the that's moment. For sure. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and it's not something we want to be in, you know, that type of a situation. Uh, let's, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about entrepreneurship. Um, there are a lot of entrepreneurs that follow this podcast and, uh, a lot of women entrepreneurs and they're looking at you and they're wondering, Oh my goodness, this, this must be really incredible. Traveling to all these exotic places, doing what you, exactly what you want to do, not being concerned with corporate politics, you know, having a, a wonderful lifestyle and a, you know, a, a completely open schedule, uh, total control of that schedule and so forth. How do you accomplish that? How do you do that? You know, what is the path to such freedom, uh, if you will, right? And, you know, talk about that a little bit, but also let's talk about what are some of the advice uh, that you would like to give to young entrepreneurs who are entering the, uh, the business world, who are trying to do well, may have a great idea, may have a wonderful, um, you know, technology or innovation or something like this, and not quite sure yet how to break through the ceiling, how to knock on that door and, and get to that person, get to that decision maker, if you will. So talk more about that.
1: You know there's something that I did um, to get into MTV that I still do many, many years later. At the time, I had a gift item and I had patent pending on it. it. it actually did come through. And I didn't know anybody at MTV. and everybody said, too big, you'll never get in. If you get in, they'll never buy. if they buy, you know, you'll have a hard time getting getting paid. So I literally just called up and I said, hi. I really don't know exactly what I'm doing but I have something that MTV might be interested in. Do you think you can point me in the right direction? And it was pure innocence, pure humble, and purely truthful. And the woman said, sure, you know, you should talk to da-da-da-da-da in marketing. I'll put you through. And in a couple of days, I had a meeting. And a couple of days later, I got the purchase order. And, you know, I made the product and they paid right on time. And, I actually teach people to do that just to say like, Hey, you know, I really don't have, I really don't know what I'm doing. Do you have a minute? Do you think you can point me in the right direction? And you disarm people. And when you ask for help in a really nice, humbling way, you would be blown away. How many people just swing the doors right open. But everybody thinks that they have to be so perfect and they have to have this script and, Oh my God, I can't like stumble or trip over my words, anything like that. They're going to hang up the phone on me. So, you know, you know, You talked about being humble. We as a country in America have to be more humble. If you, you can get into incredible doors just by asking for a little help instead of slamming people with how great you are, how they need what you have, how it's the best things in sliced bread, yada, yada, yada. And then you just go step by step. So I got into AIG, which at the time was like 70,000 employees. And I did the same thing. And people say like, how did you get into AIG? Because you focus on connecting with one person. I don't care what you're doing, you know, I don't care if you're looking for investors or looking to sell something, whatever it is, you're just having a conversation with one person. And if you just act differently than everybody else, because everybody else is doing that slam on the sales pitch crap, you know, it's, it's amazing how magical it is. So I still do it to this day. Do you have a minute, you know, would you mind pointing me in the right direction? And then I just stop talking. So people really have to get over this like talking too much cuz they're nervous and thinking they have to be perfect and oh my god what if they say no, you know, da 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 da. And you do this on email, you can do this on, you know, private messages and social media. I do it everywhere. With amazing results. So that's how I that's my secret to getting into the door. You know, I've had I had um, breakfast coffee with the CEO of Pret A Because I love their oatmeal. And I just emailed them about a story about how I love their oatmeal. And the CEO got back to me. We were having coffee in New York. You know, multi-million dollar, billion dollar company. And people want to know, how did you do it? Just exactly how as, as I told you. So there's really no secrets. You have to start before you're fully ready. And you just have to get out there and start connecting with people. You know, so that's what I teach as a way of getting in the door.
0: That's a great, that's a great advice. You know, um, the um, modern marketing uh, techniques right now are talking about account-based marketing and focusing on 20 or 30 products or 20 or 30 accounts, if you will. And, um, you know, it boils down to what I guess you and I know we did 20, 25 years ago when we had to build the relationship. We had to build a um you know a a personal connection we had to personalize our message and it's all coming back now except that it's you know obviously blended with digital and it's all integrated and automated and personalized and so forth but in reality i totally agree with you it's it's about being very humble being very personable and getting to the right person and sometimes asking for help yeah i totally agree with you um
1: you do it on on social media you and i met on social media
0: sure absolutely
1: You know, because we engaged in each other's posts. It wasn't just like, like, like everything. We would throw comments on each other's posts. And then when somebody does that, you sort of click in and you see what they're about out of curiosity. Like, who's this new person saying something nice on my post? You can create phenomenal connections on LinkedIn by engaging in people's posts. You know, and they have their algorithms set up so that, you know, you'll get your profile even more depending on like the length of the post and there's all these kinds of things that go along with it. But LinkedIn's a hot property right now. And if you just get on there and you pick 10 people every day and you do nothing but very sincerely and authentically engage in people's posts, that's a huge way to open doors as well. You don't just send a message saying, oh, you know, we have people in common. I want to connect. You don't do that crap. You you get in there and you engage with people. And, and, you know, before I went on the road to do this trip that I'm on, I, I met phenomenal people all over the world on Facebook and they were my friends that I visited with some of them I stayed with on this trip. They were people that I just engaged with on Facebook. So it's holistic. You just make it your practice to engage out of curiosity with people and your whole life changes personally and business wise.
0: It's also so, not like, just that. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's, it's also not just about asking for help. It's also helping somebody and paying forward, right? It's, you know, maybe yeah. somebody is looking for some advice or, I love to mentor, you know, LinkedIn actually has a very interesting, um, new, um, relatively new function called mentoring, right? Where you you can engage with a young professional and provide some mentoring advice or something like that. But in reality, you can learn a lot as well. You know, maybe they're from, you know, from a different country, maybe they're from a different, um, you know, uh, industry or something like this. I love, you know, a, a lot of startups are reaching out to me sometimes over LinkedIn, by the way, and saying, hey, listen, can you take a look at our pitch? And I love to do that once or twice a week, just to set aside an hour to two hours, to look at the presentation. I'm learning so much. You know, there's just so much innovation right now because people are wired differently. They think differently. We all think very differently. We'll look at you know at different things through a different lens. And that's what's really exciting about it. So all you have to do is really get out of that mindset. Um, or, or more traditional mindset and really open yourself up to those, to, the, to those types of opportunities.
1: Yes. And to be naturally curious, which is, I think that you are naturally curious. I think those make the best people, um, best salespeople, whatever the product or service is.
0: I so, I so agree with you. I think the, curi- the curiosity, I, I just recently made a, um, made a post about a doctor reading a cat um, uh, in the, in the waiting room is saying basically, yes, it's terminal, you know, uh, <laughs> you curiosity is terminal and so forth, oh, but, it, yeah, but it's, yeah. it's, but it's absolutely true. I think curiosity in this particular case is a, a, actually a big plus to, uh, all of, all of us who are trying to, um, either expand or help companies expand, uh, clearly with uh, COVID and, and the situation we have right now, expansion is, um, is one thing, but, you know, I am on the, um, I'm on the topic of relevance. You know, let's talk maybe a little bit about that. I maintain that being relevant, be uh, resilient, obviously, is ext- extremely important. And we're seeing a lot of the companies trying to retrofit what they're manufacturing and trying to be more resilient with doing different products, maybe pricing things differently and so forth. Maybe, um, you know, selling a different mix of products. But, Relevance, such an important factor right now. And, um, you know, if you're not relevant, you're not going to make it. You really have to be relevant in, in uh, not only uh, during the time of crisis, but in general. Talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, it's so true. Um, And that's where staying open and staying engaged and not thinking that you know everything and, you know, you're the person who has all the answers. I mean, you've got to really practice like a Zen sort of state of mind, you know, and you've got to listen to people of all ages. Um, You know, I had my nephew who has a a marketing agency in, in Boulder, Colorado, and he came to me for help. And I was like, do it this way and do it this way and do it this way. And he was trying to. And then I stopped hearing from him. And I realized that he had, to, he had to go out on his own and do it his own way. And his own way to me was like, oh, that, that might not work. But it is working. And I had to realize like this kid of 24 is building up something that's very heartfelt. That's, that's you know, I think turning a profit is very respected. And he's, got, he's paying attention to a lot of the same mentors online that I am. But he's a lot younger than I am. And he's got a whole different spirit and energy that I do. So I was really hurt that I stopped hearing from him. But after a couple of weeks, I totally got it. He's young and he's making his own mark and he's found his own way. You know, so he he got out of this like, oh, I have to kind of please my Aunt Katie, you know, which we went back and forth a lot for two weeks. So, you know, um, you have to put your ego aside and really pay attention to people at all ages, all all ethnicities, like all levels and, and just stay very open. And I find a lot of people can't do that. And they, those are the people that find themselves with dwindling client lists and not able to cope in this environment. So when, this, when COVID first broke out, um, I sent a, a video message to my subscribers and I just said, you know what, just send out emails, call people, just say, hi, how are you doing? And that's it. Leave it at that. And the few people that took my advice said, oh, my God, people got back to me in five minutes. And somebody invited me to do a presentation. Another person asked for a proposal. And all I did was just say, hi, how are you doing? You know, I'm here if you want to chat. So sometimes, you know, when this in this type of atmosphere, just be a human and, you know, and just be real. I think in this environment, people are always looking for real. We want to cut through the BS. You know, we don't Again, not to get political, but there's so much misinformation, and what do I believe, and who do I trust, and you know, if you can be that person that just talks straight, even if it's not always great news, I think at the end of the day, you will be the one that wins.
0: I totally agree with you. I think the simplicity of the message. I I I totally agree. I I did the same thing with some of my um, clients and partners and friends, and my message on LinkedIn and email was just, "Hey, are you still at the same company? How are you doing?" What's going on? Just give me give me a shout. And they, you know some people came back and says, "You know I, I so wish I could have coffee with you right now. There's just so much to tell you you know or I hope you're doing great. I mean I went through COVID myself and my family, yeah. and um, you know a lot of people are, were curious you know how are you' doing you know I, I was very appreciative of that. Um, and a lot of folks are out there that, are, that might be going through some hardships uh, through some very difficult times. I heard from a friend today uh, who works for work for a very large company in the uh, in break and click space, and they had to close 110 to 120 stores, which is devastating. You know, they had to lay off a lot of people and so forth. So a lot of people are not interested right now in this long messages, marketing automation, you know, chain letters and so forth. They're just interested in you know, hi, how are you doing? Um, let's talk a little bit about before we leave. Um, this wonderful call. Let's talk a little bit about what you're seeing in the intergenerational type of, um, uh, you know, sales, marketing, business development, collaboration. You know, there are a lot of startups out there, a lot of scale-ups, a lot of people from corporate all working together. It's one big, interesting mess, if you will. Uh, I'm sure you have people of different generations, different ages coming to your uh, workshops and so forth. How do you see there's different generations working together.
1: You know, um, I think millennials have gotten a bad rap. There's been a lot of, you know, sweeping statements about how they're all spoiled and they're all entitled and all that. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I had a networking group in New York City and we had maybe like 20% were in that 20 to 30 age range. And I never once found that with any of the millennials that attended my events. Certainly not the case with my nephew. Um, I'm finding that they're more, um, heart centered in what they're doing. You know, when I was that age and selling, I almost didn't care what I was selling sometimes. I just wanted to like be the best and sell the most and make money and buy a car and go traveling and all that kind of stuff. But I think the kids today are really more heart centered and they want to get over that, you know, stereotype that they're all spoiled and entitled. I'm sure some are, but some in our generation are too, right? Um, so I think there really has to be again a lot of listening from both sides. I think that we all sides have things to teach each other. You know, so if you're leading a meeting and you've got all ages or all ethnicities or whatever, you know, it really has to be coming from a place of let's give everybody a chance to talk and let's listen because I mean these kids are so much freaking more smart than I was at that age and they've got everything at their fingertips. I used to have to go to the library and pull out, you know, books and research companies and write down phone numbers and everything is at their tips. And you know, I think this, um in, in my view, there's a lot more um concern about their environment in the world than, than I had at that age. So I, I think that whoever is leading that type of situation to just give everybody a chance to speak and to, you know, teach deep listening skills, you know, let's try to create things where, um, you know, we, we can create what's better for the world. And, and again, like I had to, I had a big lesson when my nephew stopped calling me or stopped emailing me. We're emailing like 20 times a day for about two weeks, you know, and then it just stopped. So for me, that was a big lesson that sometimes you have to back off and, and give people their space as well. You know, my generation to that generation. So, yeah, I just think um, it's, it's just a lot of listening and, and um, letting people talk, you know, and, and deep listening. And you, you probably know a lot of people have a hard time listening. You know, they, they're not listening. They're too busy thinking about what they're going to say when the other person stops talking. So that's a skill I think we can all get a little bit better at. So that's, you know, that's the way I see it.
0: Totally agree. Any
1: thoughts on that?
0: I totally agree. I think it's uh, it's about listening. It's about um, really understanding the other side and making a little bit of an effort to understand the other side, if you will. Your um, companion, your partner, your client, um, age or generation should not be a, um, a barrier in any of this. You know, communications has to be open and understanding. So I totally agree. Um, Kate, Thank you so much for being with us today. Um, I hope the rain stops in Bali. And yeah, you're going to have a wonderful weather out there. And it's been a pleasure. We, we hope to have you here with us again in the near future. But it's been a pleasure talking to you. And, you know, we, we're going to post for our audience your, in the information about your uh, workshops and your training and a little bit about yourself, the links to your site, and so forth. So we'll have a lot more information about you as well. Thank you so much. I
1: appreciate that. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thanks.